my friends, right before I left for seminary, I gave much of my stuff away. I gave uh, most of it to family, but some friends too. Uh, one thing I gave away was my nativity set. And I think that is one of our great traditions uh, in the Catholic Church. So the beautiful tradition of our faith is this, the nativity scenes that we have in our home. Such an important symbol, really, of the reality of our faith, that God in the divine person of Jesus Christ became flesh and dwelt among us, that he entered into our condition, he entered into human history. You know, I have been slowly reacquiring the various characters of our nativity scenes, this time by Fontanini. Anyway, first, of course, I got Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Uh, then I got a cow and an ox. For the longest time, though, I had sheep, but no shepherd. I had a camel, but no kings. Until this past week, you know, I went to the Paschal Lamb. They didn't have a shepherd. They had two of the kings. Uh, thank you, Amazon. Uh, I am now complete. And so is our nativity set, our beautiful nativity set in the back of the church. I hope you, like me, have enjoyed the uh, Magi and the Camel's journey. Starting from over here all the way uh, Saturday afternoon, they made their way to the back to our nativity. Today, of course, is the solemnity of the Epiphany of the Lord. It's one of my favorite solemnities, no doubt. Many of you uh, share this sentiment because epiphany means unveiling. It means manifestation. It means a striking appearance of Jesus Christ, of course. You know, in the past, I think every uh, year, I've focused on the who is being epiphanized. Of course, uh, we ought to do that. Today is the manifestation of Jesus Christ as our Messiah, as the Son of God. And the readings are filled with some Beautiful symbolism. We're familiar with the gifts, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That gold, of course, is this uh, symbol of royalty, and it reveals Christ to be our king. The frankincense is used in worship. It's a symbol of our Lord's divinity. And myrrh, this oddest of all gifts, is an aromatic spice. We know this. It's added to holy oil, and this is used to anoint a body for burial. It is a symbol, of course, then, of Christ's humanity, and that he came uh, to die for you and me. These gifts, these three gifts, beautifully unveil, they epiphanize who Jesus is. He is the God-man. You know, it's interesting to know something I didn't know until uh, this year, that the only time frankincense and myrrh are mentioned in the Old Testament is in the Song of Songs, this beautiful love poem. They're mentioned, the uh, frankincense and myrrh, when they are used by Solomon and his bride as a nuptial perfume in preparation for their wedding. Today, of course, their reference unveils Jesus Christ to be the bridegroom king. And as we have been discussing these last few weeks, he in himself is the marriage of divine nature and human nature. It is also interesting to note, I think, that the only time gold and frankincense are mentioned together in the, in the Old Testament are in Isaiah's prophecy in the first reading, when Isaiah prophesies that light will come, that the glory of the Lord will shine upon us, 
that the Lord will shine and he will cut through the darkness that covers the earth. You know, my friends, I do think this is good stuff. I hope you agree. It is important to focus on who is being unveiled today. Also important, I think, though, is who he is being unveiled to. Today he is unveiled to the Gentiles. He's unveiled to the pagan kings. Today we celebrate an important reality that as Isaiah prophesied, the nations will walk by his light. Jesus is the light. He is ultimately the star then, and he came to shine on all nations, to save all nations. God first, of course, revealed himself to the nation of Israel. They are the chosen people. The Jews were chosen first. But God's whole purpose of revealing himself to them was ultimately, as he says, in the fullness of time to reveal himself to all. And as Dr. Peter Kreeft says, Israel has paid a steep price for the privilege of being prophet. Israel has paid a steep price for being first. They have a very long history of persecution and hatred towards them. You know, prior to that first Christmas morning, only Jews worshipped the one true God. The world was in darkness, worshipping many gods, many false gods, cruel gods and lustful gods, gods made of wood and, and uh, stone and metals. Israel is unique in worshipping the one true God. But today, we celebrate what St. Paul said in the second reading from Ephesians, that the mystery was made known. And what was this mystery? Well, that the Gentiles are co-heirs, members of the same body, co-partners. Co-partners of what? Well, the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel, that all nations share in the promise and are then called to worship. That those once considered unclean, those once considered to be aliens, come to the one true God and worship him. They adore him and are then redeemed. This would have been almost unimaginable for almost every Jew 2,000 years ago. Yet, of course, we see that it is true. Today, we celebrate three saints, Caspar, Melchior, and Balthazar, the model, really, of discipleship, that through purification, through conversion, what is true and what is good and what is beautiful in all of us can and ought to be brought to the Lord, ought to be offered to him here in this Holy Mass. Today, we celebrate our important mission as Catholic Christians, that each of us are to bless, to redeem, and to sanctify the world. We're not to exclude ourselves from something as if it's unclean. Three pagan priests came to Bethlehem and were saved. Three astrologers, if you will, came to the Christ child, and did you know they became martyrs? They died for love of Jesus. As Isaiah said, prophesied, their hearts were throbbing, throbbing to overflowing. Today, my friends, we celebrate that we, 
like the Magi, have set out. And using our God-given skills and talents, we continue to seek the Lord. For the Magi symbolize the spiritual quest that all of humanity is on, that each of us is on. It is literally built into our human nature to seek God. He has placed in our hearts and minds a longing to seek and to find him. This longing led, of course, for the pagan magi to that precise place and to that exact who each of them was seeking, only to discover Jesus, the Christ child. Their savior was waiting for them too. He was seeking them too. Sadly, not everyone seeks rightly. Not everyone seeks with an open heart in mind. We see that in this character, Herod, who is so paranoid, concerned with worldly power, and he reacts with hatred and hostility, like those who gladly destroyed Jesus Christ and his church because he, because we, interfere with how they like to live their lives. Jesus and his church make many people uncomfortable because change is hard. Comfort seeking seems to be the easier path. It seems to be the better way. The chief priests in today's gospel, these chief priests and scribes, weren't really seeking. After all, had they been real seekers, perhaps they too would have gone to Bethlehem. No, they act, it seems, with indifference. The incarnation didn't make the slightest difference in their behavior, except perhaps to even further harden their hearts. In contrast to these two uh, uh, groups here, the Magi are the model of a faithful seeker. They are true disciples. They lay their gifts at the Christ child's feet. You know, interesting to note, Pope St. Gregory the Great says that the gifts presented by the Magi also signify the gifts each of us present to Christ each day. That the gold is Christ's wisdom. It symbolizes his wisdom that shines upon us. And that each day we are to open ourselves up to this wisdom. We are to study his word. Frankincense is a symbol of our daily prayer and adoration given to our Lord and Savior that we are each called to be generous in it. The myrrh represents our daily sacrifices, that we are to unite our suffering with the ultimate sacrifice of our Lord at the cross. We are, be, we are to present our sufferings, our offerings, with humble confidence and total trust and abandonment. Not my will, his will be done. You know, I love this solemnity because there is much we can know about the Lord from it, of course, but also because we can know much about ourselves in it, that we, as I often say, are his. We are his. And he has demonstrated his love by becoming flesh, by dying for you and for me, for rising from the dead, conquering our hopelessness, and ascending into heaven where he then sends his spirit upon the church and upon the sacraments. And all of this demands our response. You know, Pope Benedict XVI tells us the Magi set out because of a deep desire which prompted them to leave everything and begin a journey. 
It was as though they had always been waiting for that star. We too, my friends, we too have all set out because of a deep desire. We desire peace and joy. We, we desire true and everlasting happiness and to be fulfilled as human persons. This is ultimately our search for God. And please, God, our desire, our seeking, has caused us to leave something and to begin a journey, a beautiful spiritual journey. We are encountering someone here that we've always been waiting for. We are encountering the one true God most perfectly in this Holy Mass. All our encounters with the incarnate God, the many ways he has unveiled himself, epiphanized himself to each of us has led us here this morning to this Mass in which he most perfectly is made present. You know, as the Magi did 2,000 years ago, now we, now we have entered the house of God. And like the Magi, please God, we are overjoyed at seeing the star. So we prostrate ourselves before the King of Kings, and we place our gifts at the foot of his cross and open the treasure of our hearts and minds to the only one who can fulfill our greatest desires. You know, my friends, we know that the road of discipleship is not always an easy path, that our Lord and Savior has asked us to pick up our cross and follow him. We know, perhaps we are even experiencing now, the suffering that is along the way. After all, the first chosen, Israel, had to suffer, continues to suffer greatly. Why would we be surprised then that the also chosen should now suffer? You know, St. Raymond of Penyafort's words yesterday in the Office of Readings really resonate with me. I know they resonate with many of you. The preacher of God's truth has told us, he says, that all who want to live righteously in Christ will suffer persecution. This is becoming increasingly clear these days. These words are challenging, but we know them to be true. We have experienced it. We fear becoming too comfortable. We know, as Pope Benedict XVI says, that we are not made for comfort. We are made for greatness. And we trust the Lord and his plan. Like the Magi, our hearts too throb to overflowing in love of Christ. And so we welcome, we do not shy away from St. Raymond's blessing that followed. May you never be numbered among those whose house is peaceful, quiet, and free from care. Those on whom the Lord's chastisement does not descend. Those who live out their days in prosperity and in the twinkling of an eye will go down to hell. My friends, our love for the Lord has drawn us here. We, like the Magi, have followed the star to this holy mass, the light in the darkness of the world. Like these three kings, martyrs for the faith, we too have encountered God in the flesh, in his body, blood, soul, and divinity. 
we too, please God, will go home by another way, the way of peace. My friends, Christmas is coming to an end. Christmas season is nearing an end. Our nativity sets will soon be put away. The gifts we have bought for each other will soon be forgotten. The memories will surely fade. Yet the gift of Christmas will remain. And each of us is called to share this gift with another, to be the light of Christ, to be that star in someone's life, a star that's rising, a star that remains in the lives of our family members and friends, our co-workers and classmates. And may God be praised. Amen.